Welcome to the Basecamp Podcast. Connecting you with the ideas from some of the fastest growing entrepreneurs and creators on the internet. I'm Shenny. I'm David. Let's get started. So anyway, we, we, we were talking about your time in the UK. Why, why were you in the UK? Uh, I was touring with uh, a couple different bands over a couple years. And I went to UK, I think like... I think like four or five times. I can't remember exactly, but we went, we, we used to do, we did one where we kind of stayed in UK for a long time and we kind of, we were driving all over the fucking place. It was crazy. We went to like Liverpool to Manchester to London, back to Manchester, over to Bristol, over to, it was like, we were driving like 12 hour drives and this kind of thing and barely getting to the flight and shit. And then there was a couple other trips where we just kind of like dip in on, on like a Europe tour, you know, just come through to the UK for a little while and, um spend a couple of days in london and things like this so and, and and you said a couple of different bands so how many bands have you been in like five or something like that like i kind of like Jesus. I, I sort of became sort of like a hired like a hired guy a hired gun or something whatever you want to call it for, uh-huh. for a while there so yeah just like playing guitar playing um I don't know, electronic stuff for synths or some, something like this, you know, but yeah. the one, the one band, I was pretty like solid in this one band for a long time. And we went to UK quite a lot. So it was like uh, always a place we went. I forget the venue we played, but there were some really, I mean, the sound systems in London were like, I, I, it was amazing, man. Honestly, it was like my, it blew my mind <laughs> as a young man. <laughs> yeah. I was thinking because I have, I have, um, I have a couple of friends that um, they, they did music at university and they for the most part when they were you know getting gigs they would play with they would play instruments for different bands um one of my friends is now working with a rapper called little sims and but he was working in germany with some guy who's working in uh america i think with some guys as well so as far as being in different bands is concerned do they is it kind of like they reach out to you on instagram or they reach out to you on you know whatever platform and then they just say hey we like you you play guitar would you like to come through my 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 situation was a little more a little more ghetto than that it was kind of before instagram was cool too but we we would like you know i was in la so people would kind of like i just knew a bunch of people from like the community in la so it was sort of more like yeah, it was sort of more like they'd be out over at our house. I lived with like five other guys in a house and we'd like, you know, they'd come over and party and stuff and they'd be like, hey, man, like, you're that guy from whatever. Hey, we should, we, we need a guy to go on a thing to do the thing. Oh, yeah, sure. Okay, cool. Yeah, like, <laughs> here's, my, here's, here's my email, you know, whatever. And then like, like just link up and, you know, um, I, it, was, it was a pretty specialized thing. Like, I'm not like, a, I can't like read music or anything. I'm not like super like formal. So it was really, it was mostly just like, other weird hippie guys that wanted some some you know see me play in the other band or something like that want the want a similar kind of touch or something like that you know um so yeah different kind of situations i'm trying to track the the timeline of alex gray and this is something that i still even now that we've spoken a couple of times i still can't do effectively is like where did this all start like what were you doing first so like came out of did you go to college like high school like what like where did where did the 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 alexander gray that we know today where did this all begin sure 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 so so um yeah i was i was supposed to graduate high school in 2006 and i dropped out in 2005 uh so junior year yeah junior year I, I just I just left. I I didn't even properly drop out. I think I just I just left kind of <laughs> just just stopped turning up to classes one day. <laughs> Irish exit. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much I mean literally pretty much. Um my parents run um they have kind of like a like a design shop in a local area, kind of in a suburb of LA. It's like a like I mean, in like in London terms, it's ridiculous. Not even a suburb. It's like another, you know, it's like an hour north of LA in this kind of weird coastal place that is sort of strange uh but um yeah yeah so so my parents were running kind of like a design shop they so to give you some background I mean, my my parents actually ran an agency where they were like 13 employees in LA in the valley like really pumping doing like brand identity and doing all all, all kinds of ads you know back when ads were like in magazines and stuff you know I'm talking like you know late 70s like like early 80s they started the agency and stuff and um, they grew it pretty big. So, like, when I was, like, born, I was sort of born into this, like, like, 
circus of like 13 employees, like in this office. And like, I pretty much grew up in the office and stuff. And then it kind of started to sort of decline. I think, you know, things got, they, they moved out to the suburbs, number one, which, you know, um, I they, take it for what it is. I think it was a horrible mistake personally, but um, you move out to the suburbs, all of a sudden you don't have the LA clients and stuff, right. Coming through and stuff like this. So they kind of like, you know, downsized a bit and they, they got it down to like five employees and then they kind of just kept downsizing and downsizing and they're they're not one to really keep up with like trends and stuff so they kind of ended up becoming like a you know kind of like a print shop you know like a small design kind of print shop thing that you know you come in it, like a lot of walkthroughs you know people kind of walking around hey can i get a logo done you know kind of thing and uh, you know, the neighborhood okay. uh, and I, I kind of you know grew up I, it, when i was in high school i was like super even before high school i was super nerd about javascript and web design i always like websites and shit you know like a lot so i uh, i just kind of started to help them out and then i just left high school because it was just it is a lot of like gang members and we just bad shit it's like super violent like horrible like culture in my high school you know where i where i'm, I'm kind of like it was like in this agriculture area i actually learned later i have all these like respiratory problems because they like spray pesticide there's all these lawsuits in the area that like you know they spray pesticides like Jesus. school and shit you know? So, um, yeah, kind of like shitty, not rural. It's like a shitty little city that's like super like has it's like has a little like, I don't know, Monaco, like harbor, you know, nice area. And then it has this like the rest of the city is just like, like a piece of shit, um, you know, like gang member world or whatever. So anyway, I started working for them, started building their little web design department. Like people come in and want websites and shit. My dad is like a, a retard when it comes to websites, it's like terrible. Like, so <laughs> I, I kind of, you know, did started to learn CSS. I just did everything on my own. You know, I just like learning. I, I actually asked my mom, I remember one, one time, like, hey, can I take like this course for CSS and, and JavaScript and shit? And she's like, nah, man, you know, it, you know, we don't have the money for that or whatever. So I'm like, all right, fuck, I'll just learn the shit myself. So I just taught, you know, self-taught like everything and helped them build up the web design department and shit. And then, so this is around the time, I guess like around like 2007, 2000, okay. like I, for a couple of years, I worked with them and um, 2007 or eight, I, I start to get into music like really, really heavily. Before that, I was more like hanging out with all the hood kids and I was in the school and it was like just shitty. And like, we were all skateboarding. We were like this big like skate crew and graffiti and all this kind of thing. And it was just like- So you were a hoodlum. <laughs> yeah, hoodlum stuff you know real real hoodlum kind of thing so yeah so i got into music i started getting super into music and i was already into music. my dad's a musician i was like just into music and stuff there's like pictures of me when i'm like three years old at a drum kit and stuff you know and just so i just started getting really 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 into music and um met a guy named rob uh rob mcgill uh who if uh, yeah if you want to google that his music is, is sick uh but yeah i kind of met this dude and kind of everything started to change man like the whole the whole my whole world started to change he introduced me to like a lot of like like 40s like jazz stuff and you know kind of like uh blues stuff like delta blues stuff and um fuck weird stuff like outer kind of experimental stuff like he kind of he, he sort of opened my whole world to like whoa there's a lot out there that you know so yeah we were obsessed with like jazz like like free jazz they call it like real real like outer limit kind of heavy just noise really kind of like types of noise jazz. music is today right you know kind of this thing but it's just a bunch of dudes just going insane and you know john coltrane was super famous for his later records being in that kind of style where it's just you know 14 guys in, improv in, in, improvising and going crazy so we were really into that and just like real chaotic stuff so we yeah we just started to like i don't know i i um my parents still had like a little tiny office and they had like a back room. There was like this weird thing where like they had like a back room that was empty that somebody was trying to rent, but like they were like in the middle of it and it never really like, I don't know, it never materialized. So there's just this like empty room, you know, we just used to go in there and like hang a bunch of mics and, and just record like all night. So like after work, I would just like invite, you know, like 10 guys to come over and we would just all like improvise until seven or eight in the morning and like record it all. And then uh, I would, uh, yeah, like later on, I'd start to go and chop through the recordings and find the good parts and 
kind of glue it all together and all this shit. So I started making records. I sort of launched like a record label out of that and started making like um, cassette tapes were kind of the thing at the time. I don't know. If, I, you know, I don't know if you guys even uh, know about that, but yeah, there was like a big resurgence of like cassette tapes. My parents still uh, had yeah, a cassette yeah, player. We had right? a couple, we yeah. had a couple cassette tapes. Well, like, yeah. yeah, it was kind of like a cool like resurgence of it. You no, know? like, like uh, a lot of like young, young guys and, and weird bands and stuff doing like, like tapes at the time. So it was like a lot of like limited run, you know, handmade like tapes that you know we're super it was it was just kind of this underground culture that doesn't frankly doesn't exist anymore it totally got like all that stuff is just gone um and everything is uh sort of pop culture now so it was uh it was a time where things were pretty scrappy and you could just kind of launch a label and do all this stuff so anyway yeah just started doing that in 2008 or 9 i started like go a little even harder on that we were selling tapes i used to do like batches of like 500 tapes and like sell out and like you know, a week after we announced them and stuff. And we started to get some, I started to do cold emailing. This is where we're like, really, I started aggressively cold emailing, like, like distribution, um, kind of record distributors in this space that we were in, kind of jazz noise. So is this early, like 2010 kind of time? Like what, what, what kind of time period is this? Yeah, like 2000, like, eight 2009 no, really like right right yeah right here that we, that we were like starting to actually like get some traction and stuff and then i started to do a solo project basically at this time also was like the same like around 2008 2009 it was like a boiling point with my parents honestly like with the with the company i was like so tired yeah. of working for them all the projects were so fucking lame like it was all like local business i was just like i hate all these people i hate this shit i hate being here i, I want to get the fuck out of here i gotta go somewhere and um so i kind of like yeah 2009 really was like a turning point uh because i cold emailed this show there was a show going on in la that I, I i cold emailed the one of the promoters that i that i sort of knew of i didn't even know them um and i wrote to him and I, hey we have this band like that we've done a bunch of tapes and blah 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 and yeah can we jump on that show you know is it, is it cool if we like jump on the bill i saw there was only three people playing you know really good cold email you guys would be you guys would be proud of me uh you know <laughs> but uh yeah so they wrote back yeah hell yeah sure yeah we'll have you guys on okay cool so yeah so then we rolled down there and in, in 2009 and and um played this gig and uh yeah really really rocked it man like a trio you know cool cool trio i was on drums and uh i had like a mic going through a, a bunch of pedals into an amp so like just like yelling into the mic a little bit, make some like big old like, ah, you know, kind of thing. And then we had two saxes. It was just two saxophones just like going crazy. And um, it was a fucking sick ass show, man. I actually saw a recording of it uh, recently because uh, a, a guy was sort of archiving everything we did and secretly that I didn't even know. And um, he ended up uh, committing suicide. But uh, yeah, so rest in peace to him. But Christ, <laughs> not where was... I expected that <laughs> conversation to go at all. <laughs> Jesus Christ. A lot of strange people, man. Like this, this scene was a lot of weird people, like very, very strange kind of crazy people. Like my buddy, Rob actually is paranoid schizophrenic and you know, he has his, his, uh, his episodes as well. But yeah, so it's, it, it was a trippy, it's a trippy crew that we had going honestly. But, uh, yeah, so I, so basically we played that gig and I met like, um, I met my buddy Cameron and I met like a couple other people. They, the, the people who were like headlining the show asked us to do a, they were running a record label, asked us to do a record and, like we, we kind of got like a lot of shit from that show. It just sort of like that show kind of like planted this, this seed, like, oh, people kind of know who we are and they know who I am specifically just because I was kind of like, again, everybody else was kind of crazy. I, you know, kind of having, they weren't like the most social people, I guess you could say, um, no, no offense if they ever hear this, but you know, just, it was like, I, I was, I was kind of the ambassador of the thing, I guess, you know what I mean? Um, being a little more social or whatever uh so yeah i met everybody they asked us to do a record they asked us to do a bunch of shit this this guy cameron kind of told me like hey man i'm gonna hit you up later like i, I want i want you for something and i'm like cool and whatever you know I don't, whatever and then i kind of just ran away so this is like 2009 end of 2009 and then 2010 i i just packed up all my shit and moved to oakland california which is like 300 miles away from where I'm from uh, and just like up to the San Francisco area. I, I never like LA very much. I was always kind of like, I give it either LA or, or the Bay area for me to move to, you know, next to get out of my parents' house and kind of get on my own. And um, I, I chose up there in retrospect, it's a very strange choice, but um, cause it's really weird up there. It's really hard, but uh, yeah. So I ended up moving like into like some weird, I don't know, ghetto, place in oakland with another friend of mine from the same town who kind of was like oh I'm, i want to move up there too 
so we moved up there and then, um, yeah, I just started going really hard on web design, freelancing, the cold email stuff gave me a real like kind of confidence level. Cause I was just getting a lot of opportunities with cold email that were really strange. So I started to kind of do that to get freelance clients and, uh, meet people. And I was just kind of meeting people through the wire. People were referring me and stuff, uh, that, that had worked with me in the past. Like, so the web design stuff started to sort of take off. I learned WordPress at that time. Like I, I spent like two months just like learning, like coding my own theme, you know, in PHP and like learning PHP and stuff. And so I just like learned, as much about WordPress as I could. I got super deep into that. And then um, that really changed my whole thing. Like we were doing static websites before that, honestly, where it was like, you know, just HTML, CSS, you know, JavaScript and, um, you know, stack, stack overflow, like finding a code snippet, trying to do something with something and put it all together. So yeah, when WordPress kicked in, it was like, boom, you know, just, it was like a flood of work came my way. Everything started opening up. I was doing a lot of freelancing, living, living, okay, living, you know, pretty, pretty low, but, you know, doing websites for like 400 bucks, you know, 500 bucks, like just, you know, what I thought was a lot of money at the time. It was kind of crazy now that I think about it. And uh, yeah, started doing music super aggressively. Like that guy, Rob moved up there too. And like a bunch of other people moved up there. I was one of the bands I played in was like a folk band. It was like a country band kind of actually. Wow. Uh, that was my friend's uh, group. And she was kind of just like a friend of mine from, from the town too. And she came up there and yeah, we used to play at this, like, um, man, if people are in San Francisco, like we used to play at this place called studs. Uh, that's like a really famous kind of gay bar, like, like legendary gay bar, drag bar and stuff. And we used to have this like kind of country night where we would like do like, we'd play with other folk bands and stuff. And we were always like the opener somehow. I don't I don't, I don't really know how it all worked out, but I was the drummer for this country band. And then I was like doing that jazz shit. And then I started my own solo projects. And that was when I was doing a lot of like, kind of like just solo, like synthesizer, noise, guitar, uh, kind of ambient music, like kind of a la Brian Eno. We mentioned Brian Eno earlier, you know, like uh, that, that kind of style. I don't know if you guys know that stuff, but you know, it's, uh, it's great stuff. So yeah, just got really into that. And I don't know. And then that, so yeah, 2010, you know, and got a girlfriend and was on my own and was doing my own thing and, you know, buying my own weed and doing whatever I wanted and kind of <laughs> have this free, free life all of a sudden that was like, you know, kind of uh, very trippy in a place that I've never really been, to be honest, like in a place that's totally foreign to me, uh, made a lot of friends and, and stuff like that. And then, um, yeah, basically just it all kind of unraveled, like it, it started to unravel, like my girlfriend was like, she was like this like rich Jewish chick and she started like getting opportunities to be like a lawyer in New York and all this shit. And I was just like, okay, so, you know, she's like, are you going to come to New York? And I'm like, I don't, don't want to go to New York. And uh, so she left and then I was super like heartbroken. And then I came back down to Southern California again and just was with my parents again for like one second. I just stayed with them for like a month so I could like figure out what was next. And right around that time when I moved in with them, I got an email from that Cameron dude saying, hey, you know, the time is now. Let's do this. Like I, I have a bunch of tours lined up, just kind of popping. I want you this is the guy I met at the show, like in 2009. So yeah, he invited me down. We came, I, he was like, moved to LA immediately. I was like, okay. So I, um, yeah, it turned out a couple of my friends had a place uh, open in LA. So I moved down to LA and, um, started to play in his band. And yeah, I thought, I thought it was, it was bullshit. I didn't know what to expect. And then, yeah, we just started touring immediately. Like first tour was to Brazil and we played in a theater in Rio de Janeiro. And then that kind of, solidified that the shit was real and then uh yeah it was like pretty much full-time music i was still doing some web design freelancing mostly for people i sort of met through the community and um different brands and people like that so this is like 2011 2012 shit like that and then yeah that was around the time i started you know coming to uk i started going to netherlands and australia and uh japan and all, all over all over the place and i always did my solo projects still um of music and stuff and then um yeah so i kept doing the solo projects but yeah kind of like i would i would like play some of the shows or like they would book me in some of those tours i would you know um the only real solo tour i did was in japan i did like a big like kind of five day like you know, fest, a couple of festivals, a couple of smaller shows and uh, um, played in Japan by myself. And that, that was sort of like, uh, I think that was 2015. Um, wow. Things started sort of, yeah. So it just kept going like that. And then, I mean, up to now, basically I met my wife. I was, we were touring. I, we played a festival in Mexico, uh, in Tijuana. And um, she was playing the festival too. She's also a musician. So I 
um, saw her play and in the, in the daytime, she kind of opened the festival, saw her play. And I, you know, me and my buddy were kind of watching her, like drinking a scout kind of like, Oh, she's cool. Yeah. What a cool chick, you know? And then, uh, later in the night she did the after party. So they like at these festivals, especially in Mexico, there's always an after party and it's always like two in the morning at a different location. And it's like party time, like crazy party time. And so, uh, went to the after party, checked it out. And she ended up being the DJ at the after party, one of the DJs. And she was like, she just blew my mind and she played real uk style stuff like she was playing like i don't know it was a crazy mix man like jungle you know hardcore you know uk like hardcore jungle and you know she was like speeding it up and mixing it with cumbia music from here and all kind it was like this like multicultural just intense like electronic dance music set and um yeah real 90s style now and she looked so cool she was like just like she had such a vibe you know and i just i came up to her after the show hey man like that was that set was insane like you know thank thank you for that you know and she was like oh cool yeah thanks and then she kind of whatever was talking to her friends and then i guess she kind of looked back and was like oh i'm gonna gonna go chill with that dude and she like came over and we were like chilling and dancing and yeah i ended up meeting that night and then uh from then kind of fell in love and i started visiting her here in mexico city because she didn't live in Tijuana we were just at the festival so started to come down to Mexico City a lot and like kind of you know she'd come up there and I'd come down here and just sort of like started doing that thing and um, still doing music super aggressively and still doing all that stuff and then she moved to LA she was like I got to get out of here for a little while and so she moved to LA with me and um, yeah like things get intense when you move to America like I had no really conception of what the fuck that looked like and it was uh really intense and like i wasn't making enough money to even like do a green card process to be honest so like it just got real complicated real fast but we got married and we like tried to keep her there and then it just it got so like tiring and exhausting we were just like you know what let's just go to mexico it'll be easier to like get started there and do some shit there and have some fun there and and whatever and so we just yeah moved down to mexico i didn't uh, that was in 2015 2016 i think it was I think it was 2000 early 2016 something like that around 2015 16 and um yeah man and then it i stopped doing music really full-time like i was i got more serious i started doing web design really heavily i started doing marketing i started getting into seo and ppc and uh cold emailing all the stuff i was doing before but like really seriously i started the agencies started multiple agencies uh tried multiple things did like affiliate marketing did like you know blogging i did like um just kind of kept doing web design freelancing sort of as like the core of it but started to get into all this other stuff and then seo ended up like making me a fortune and uh web design kind of like advanced and ended up doing a cold emailing agency kind of like you guys um similar to kind of like the format you guys are doing but like you know um a little bit different but yeah then now i'm back into music again now i'm kind of like uh diving back into music and uh, my, my wife kind of like was doing uh, working at agencies and doing all this other stuff too as well doing design she's like an amazing designer and uh now she's an artist so we're kind of like going kind of back to our roots back a little bit she, she, yeah yeah so it feels really good so that's really the full story man i mean to, to i mean yeah. without all the gruesome details there was so much in all of that that i don't honestly know where to start so <laughs> let me let, let, let me kind of like take take it in in chunks so at, at the start, it was very much like you needed to escape home. You already had the music thing and it was very much like, let me get out and find find who I am. And the web design stuff that you did for your parents was very much the case of, I am able to do this and I can charge for it. Okay, great. Yes, you weren't charging a shit ton for it, but it was enough, you know, to, to get by as an individual in, 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 you know, NorCal. Fine. Then music took off. And web design kind of took a, a backseat almost because music was the big thing. There were times where I was like working on websites, like from the tour bus, like with like, like in the early days of like the mobile hotspots and stuff like that. Like I would literally wow. be like talking to clients and dealing with like web shit while being on tour and stuff. Like I tried to, I really did try to sort of maintain both of them together at some point and uh, it started to fall apart at some point, to be honest with you. I was just How like, do you even function? Like, because touring is must be so intense. And yet yeah. you're you're probably drunk, hire a combination of both sitting and trying to code websites on a tour bus in a dimly lit environment. Like, how does how do you even survive?
it's tough. It was tough. It was definitely tough. I, I didn't, um, I mean, the touring life, honestly, for me, wasn't really, I, I didn't really love it. I, it wasn't my, um, it, it isn't, it still isn't really my favorite thing uh, about music to be, or, you know, whatever, to be clear about that, I guess, like it, it just, it was great. It was a great experience at the time. Obviously I was like, felt pretty blessed and pretty stoked that it was happening. But I, I think there was something in the back of my head that was kind of like, you know, I, I don't really like this, like, I don't know, you know, 24 hours in a place and then having to leave and then having to go and then like just constant planes and shit. I, I just, I logistics of it, you know, really uh, sort of like upset me. I, I didn't, I didn't love it. So yeah, a lot, a lot of work uh, in the background, like you said, so just a lot of stress, a lot of stress of the whole thing. Yeah, for sure. Too much so, stress. So post touring, so we've now, you've done your Japan tour, you've kind of like gone to Mexico, met your wife settling down and it's now like you're going hard into marketing seo ppc web design cold email everything like you've had such a varied marketing history like what how why is is my honest question like why not just stick with web design which is what your heartland was what you started doing from when you were a kid what you had the most experience in like you're entirely self-taught like why pick all these other things instead of just sticking with the one you knew question I, I think honestly what was happening was i was seeing i was doing websites for people and then i was seeing that they were that that somebody else picked up after me on on the rest of you know how, it was like yeah you build the website now how do you get people to the website and i think what i like my my inclination or my my yearning at the time was to was to make a website and see what the results look like when you start to actually drive traffic and like what what does that actually look like i think there was something kind of like when on our podcast we talked about with you guys finding out that you know like organization and um, man, you know, managerial stuff with sales and like, you know, organizing productivity for salespeople, blah, blah, blah. It's sort of this next step That's in your guys' continuum. Yeah. It's sort of, it was kind of the progression was sort of like, okay, what about conversion optimize? What about that next, what about that next step after you build the website? What the fuck does it do? You know what I mean? And so I wanted to know everything I want to know. Okay. So there's Google traffic. There's, you know, ad, ad traffic, there's this, how do you track it? How do you look at it? You know, what, ha I just seen, you know, the first experiences of it, were just seeing Google analytics numbers go up and stuff and just seeing traffic hit the site and going like, Whoa, cool. Like the website's alive. Something's happening with it. So um, I think all that stuff was really just like, I wasn't satisfied just to build the website. And honestly, man, like, you know, I, I still kind of loathe, like actually I'm doing a couple freelance web design projects right now. And um, I'm only doing them because I trust the people and I'm like down to help them out. But like, um, I hate dealing with freelance clients. I hate like the back and forth and the, the way that especially web designers are treated and designers in general are treated. I, I fucking hate it, man. People are like, so like nitpicky and about details and colors and this, and why is that there? And can we put this here? Can we like switch that? Can we, you know, and I, it just, it takes the art out of it for me. Like not, not, it was not, there wasn't anything creative about it. It was just like, God damn it. Like get these people happy so I can get the fucking money and like move on. You know, it was like the, the music was the only place I found like freedom to actually be creative. So like in that spirit, it was like, okay, I built the website. I don't give a fuck what it looks like. I have no emotional bias to it. L let's just drive traffic to it. I want to see what happens. Like what, what is this all about after the fact, you know, this isn't like a artist portfolio website. This is like a fucking limousine rental company or something, you know, like, let's just see what happens. Right. So I think, yeah, I just had a nat natural inclination to want to learn SEO, wanted to learn uh, content, you know, uh, how to deal with what's on the website and the results that the website actually brings, you know? Okay. Yeah. Cause um, that's something that we essentially, like, like you said, what we spoke about on your podcast in the sense of what's the next step, what's the next logical step for, you know, the customer and how do you increase the amount of revenue that you're capable of getting. And one thing about websites is that it's a one-time fee for the most part. So you do one job and it's one and done and you have to go out and find another customer to do the exact same thing. So a great yep. idea is combining it with SEO, combining it with CRO, combining it with Google ads, and then you've got a nice package there for you. To that was the plan. Yeah, that's what I thought. That was the plan, man. Yeah. And it helped a lot. Like money went up at that point. Like when I started to do that money, money started to come in. It was like, whoa, shit. Okay. I got, I got a little bit of money now. This is cool. You know? So it, it really helped a lot to do that. Yeah. At what year was this then? Because I know that when it comes to uh, web design has been around since, you know, the internet or whether, but when people started combining web design and SEO together, 
my assumption now is that because a lot of people are doing that now, it's not as... Because it's so common, it's not as easy to make as much money as you were doing so in the past. So when you... St- what Around what time was it that you started doing it? I guess I started to sort of bolt that on in like 2000... I mean, really seriously bolted on. I mean, I, I, there was a lot of learning and experimenting before. I mean, like where, when I started to learn and experiment with it was maybe like 2014 or 2013 or 14 or something like that. But when I really started to bolt it on and sell it and get a full conception of what I was doing was like 2017 or something like that, that I was really like serious about it. So a bit, a bit late to the game, man. I, I was very distracted before that, to be honest with you. Like I did, none of this stuff was serious for me. I was like, oh, freelance client, like a couple thousand bucks. Like, okay, that'll pay my rent. That'll pay my shit. And now I, now I just do the music. You know, I, I there was no, I did not give a shit about business. I did not give a shit about money. I still kind of don't, frankly, like I'm kind of getting back to that in my mind where I'm like, you know, if, if you're doing what you're supposed to be doing, um, you know, what like God or whatever you believe in is, is what, you know, what you were born to do. Like if you're doing that, generally the money just comes and you make it work. Um, so yeah, that's kind of my, my spirit now where I'm like, I don't, I don't give a shit about having stuff or nice things, or I, I just want to like do what I'm supposed to be doing and web design and all that shit is definitely not what I'm supposed to be doing. It's just something that, um, it was something I did. Yeah. Something I do for the money or to help people like if they need help and I, trust them and believe in their shit or something so yeah i kind of want to dig into that because it's it's interesting hearing you delineate between the creativity that you gain from music and the lack of creativity and almost like the box ticking that comes from being a web designer that has clients right so in in my mind when you work for someone else doing a project that is ultimately theirs you just have the skills to do it you know for them you you do box yourself off from cre- the creativity that you want to unleash in whatever project because ultimately it isn't yours and it's not your vision. Whereas for music, it is your vision and you can create whatever you want. Like, do you think that for a web designer, you should almost get almost carte blanche creative license within a website so long as it's optimized, so long as it's X, Y, Z? Or is it the whims of the client dictate what you are forced to make with your hands? I, I think that's a... A highly debatable question. I mean, if you want my opinion, I guess um, I guess it really depends on the web designer and their skill level and their experience level. And honestly, man, when I started to see the results that came from the web designs, and I started to be able to like manipulate that, like via the PPC, this SEO, the conversion optimization, seeing what's actually happening behind the curtain, like once things are going. Like my my first real super crazy experience with that was like I started doing. I started running ads for like a $40 million manufacturing company. I started to see like, you know, 10 or $12,000 a month in Google ads start to hit the site and like really start to see what was going on. And this was like when Hotjar just came out and I was, I was kind of on the cutting edge of actually trying to see like what the fuck is going on on the site and how can we optimize it? And it was mind blowing to see like, it just doesn't matter. The design doesn't matter that much. You know, it's like shit needs to be visible. You need to be able to click a button uh, the copy needs to be really good and, you know, it needs to like speak to the audience. You need to know the audience. And so at the end of the day, I guess my real feeling about it is um, web designers, you know, there's a lot of self-importance and like ego, I think that comes along with kind of the carte blanche, you know, thing. Like in my opinion, it's more about what you've seen work combined with sort of the client's vision of, of, of what they want, you know, and what they, and what they feel um, their audience wants, you know, and, that's real vague because sometimes they just don't know their audience and they're just faking it the whole time and they have no fucking idea. And then they like complain at you that it didn't work or whatever. So that, you know, it is what it is. I think it, the experience, the actual knowledge, you know, cause you have information and you have knowledge, right? So like a lot of, inf- a lot of web designers and freelancers these days are going off more off of information than they are knowledge and knowledge is you've actually done it. You've actually seen it. This is your experience that button needs to be right there or it won't work, Mr. Client, whatever. Um, I'm more of the opinion these days because of the homogenization of everything. Like when I started in web design, it was, things looked wackier, you know, you didn't have these like mobile interfaces mm-hmm. and, you know, thing. it was very, you know, you could do a really creative web design and, and, it, and it would just be, people be like, whoa, that's cool. You know, like the first web design I did for my, my record label, I literally like tore out, like cut out paper cutouts, like 
and wrote with markers and like those were the buttons and everything looked like it was made of paper and stuff on the site, you know? And so like, just, you know, you could get so much more wacky with it. Now I think everything's super homogenized. All the themes look the same. There's kind of a format to what works and what doesn't work more or less. And um, if you deviate out of that, you risk alienating a lot of people in most industries. And then, so my real feeling now is that like a Google doc, like, you know, on a domain would like work as a landing page. Like you really did. It, it just doesn't need to be, it's all about the information that's on the page because there's so much information out there that sucks that if you come with good content, good information and, and a big fucking red button or a big blue button or a big you know, color psychology, I know you guys know like something, something that feeds into the vibe of what you're trying to do, a big fucking button and click the goddamn button and like put your name in there or whatever, you know, like that's it. So I, I don't, I don't know. I think things have simplified a lot to the point where it, like these creative web designs and stuff don't even mean anything. They win like the Webby awards and stuff. And do they actually convert? I don't know. You know, no, they're just like porn for designers, you know? So I have no idea, man, to be honest so with you. <laughs> my that's so my, my opinion is very similar to you and actually goes onto a concept that we are actually talking about off camera. There's a, uh, I call it structures and spaces, right? So there are structures, you know, web design or landing pages or, you know, SEO, like the actual format or the industry or whatever the actual activity is. And then there's spaces, there's pockets within those structures, which you then apply the creativity, the innovation, the 10,000 hours to. It seems, and this is kind of like from the general consensus about what you said about the fact that a Google Doc is basically all you, basic, is basically all you would need for a landing page. We're hearing that more and more often. It's VSL, it's, it's Hero, VSL at the top, and a very simply laid out, very, you know, level, you know, age three reading age kind of sales letter, sales letter type um, copy on your landing page. But for me, that's, it's mundane in a sense, but with those three or four elements, there's infinite things you can do inside of that. The VSL itself, there's ways to make the VSL work, even though it still follows a particular formula to increase conversions. There's like little pockets of things that you can still tweak, tweak with and innovate inside of. And for me, as far as creativity is concerned, those small pockets are where you can essentially exercise that. Yeah, I agree 100%. I think, I think everything's become more modular and um, you're absolutely right. I mean, video is so important now. I think, you know, the, the cool sites that I see that actually are like kind of creative and high impact and interesting are the ones with lots of like motion graphics and, and videos and stuff. And I, I was talking to my friend Cam about this a while back where it's just like, yeah, like that's the only, that's kind of the final frontier right now is like, you know, show don't tell at some point, you know, if, if, but obviously that's expensive. It takes skill sets that like many of us don't have, like, you know, motion graphics isn't, isn't something that I'm like, you know, uh, an expert on or anything like that. So it's, it, yeah, it's taking things into like kind of two categories. Like you're saying, there's like the, hundred thousand dollar web designs you know projects that are like the ones with lots of motion graphics and you got like video people involved and you got like product demos with like you know phones rotating and the thing scrolling you know shit that's real romantic and kind of shows the value of the thing and then you got the other one which is kind of a glorified frank kern you know dan kennedy kind of fucking <laughs> whatever russell brunson or whatever i don't fucking know you know thing you know so um, yeah, I think honestly too, it's funny. I'm, I'm building a site right now for like a political campaign, um, which is really interesting. I've never done that before. And, uh, you know, I, the discussion about the design was so funny. They're like, oh yeah, we don't really care. We just want it to look cool. And it's like, okay, well, what are some examples? Oh yeah, we like this site, these sites, very modern sites. And they all just have typography. That's really beautiful. Like great typography, like number one, and just big fucking type like huge headlines that took up the whole page and then you scroll down and it's like another like tweet sized paragraph about one part of the value and then another tweet sized paragraph with like an image over here and like you know it's just it's it's just beautiful typography some colors and some imagery and that that's it it's really not there's nothing interesting or creative about the site rather than that and, and it just that's kind of where people are at now where like they they can't really read a block of text more than a tweet like length I was going to say, it's, it's, it's fundamentally in my mind, like web design, and this is from someone that knows absolutely fucking nothing about it, right? So I do not profess to be an expert on this. So go on. I, I'm, I'm, I, I, I can see you loading not up even, not even. to talk I'm, shit. I'm now, go saying, on. give yourself some more props because you did create our website from nothing. <laughs> and I don't think our website looks shit. 
I mean, there's your problem. Fine, thank you. I expected that to go way worse, but here we are. But like the 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 average attention span of like most people when they go on a website that they don't intuitively care about from point zero is like less than ten seconds. So I'm never gonna read a block of text ever unless I'm forced to do it. Like it's not gonna happen. So when I My guys younger like, than you are even worse, honestly. Like dudes, yeah, dudes, dudes from this like younger, younger thing, it's like, yeah, they don't if you're doing B to C, like they don't they don't even I don't think they're inputting anything, you know? It's yeah. it's just what's on the page. I mean, if 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 you look at drop off times on video, let alone for text, like stop the scroll like four seconds, I think is 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 the colloquial knowledge of like how long people will stay on a video before they get bored. Now Take that and supplant it, supplant the same knowledge onto text, and you have like less than half a second to capture someone's interest. Yeah. And yeah. if your website is just a block of text after block of text after block of text, you're you're fucked from point zero. Yeah, yeah, it's um, it, it's tough, man. I think you know that. So that's kind of how I feel about the creativity element. I mean, I mean, I think I think you can get really creative with a website, but that won't it won't convert generally. Like that's not it, it, that would be for for a project where you're just you know it, I'm actually doing one Someone's of those got right money now to as well. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm going to be launching a, I'm, I'm launching a record label soon and like or kind of, you know, like a little imprint thing. And, you know, I'm going to do a website for it and it's going to be all abstract and like text fucking all like, like angled and fucked up and, you know, European typography all just disjointed and stuff because I, I don't care. It just needs a it just needs to have a grid or a list of the releases and and so, it look, needs to look trippy, you know, so, so like so but I don't care. Interesting... I'm not going to run Google ads to it, you know, here's an interesting segue from that conversation then. So. Now and now, like now more and more, we're seeing people kind of come into the entrepreneurial space and say, I have a talent or I have a skill. Or if they don't have a talent or a skill, they're learning one, right? And one of them may be web design. Now, when you as a web designer who, after this conversation, it sounds like the creativity element of web design versus the ability to follow instructions in web design one of those is far more useful than the other because everything is kind of getting more homogenized. There is no real value, to bastardize what you said, in having a creativity element unless you have an unlimited budget. Is, it, is web design a like key skill or offer that the market actually wants? Because to Shenny's point, if you can go on card for 19 bucks a year and get unlimited landing pages and chuck a VSL and some copy up there and that converts, which is ultimately the goal that you said is, is the ultimate, you know, the, the raison d'etre for web websites to exist. Well, then web design is that good offer? Should people even be arguably offering it? Or are we moving towards the landing page-esque Make me a VSL, write some decent copy, make a button that works and clicks onto a payment page. It's a good question. I think um, I think at the end of the day, it, it just depends. Uh, you know, I, I think I take a lot a lot for granted as well. Like I've been doing this so long that like a lot of times I think I I'm I'm kind of numb to, to certain things that that other people don't know. It, it looks like magic to them or something like that. So and this is the case with everything I do, like music too. It's like there's people who go like you know, how the hell did you make that sound? And I'm like, I don't really know. I just did it, you know? And so the websites, I think it depends, man. It depends a lot. Like, so I have a couple of, I mean, I think there's a couple of base things as far. Okay. So to answer your question, as far as an offer, I mean, there's always going to be a place for web design as an offer, in my opinion, like there's always going to be a place for um, some level of creating a website for people because, what I've noticed in the past freelancing and doing agency work and in the web space in the web design space specifically and development and stuff is that people don't write copy well. They don't, not everybody is like us three here that like, you know, study Dan Kennedy and studied, you know, studied Frank Kern and studied these copy things, you know, like watch these seminars, watch these things, went back in time, read the books, looked at the psychology, read the psychology, like learn how to like put our ideas into copy that would like, you know, because it's mostly about knowing your audience and most companies just don't do business correctly. They, they're just running by the skin of their teeth, like that they're even in business because they, yeah. they just don't understand how to communicate the value and the benefits. You know, they focus on feature. This is, I'll tell you the common shit. They focus on features. They focus on their product. It's me, 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 me. We're a great company. It's been around since 1988. And we do da, 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 da. We do da, 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 da. No, it's just this fucking endless bullet list of like what they do and what they're about, what they never focus on the customer. So I think there's like a big hole, like I think in, in different elements of this game and in, of this offer, there's all kinds of different shit. Like I think, like we're talking about copywriting is, is an art 
form like that's actually really creative and like you can take that from people because they're like yeah i don't know that and yeah i don't know what to do there so that's one thing i think in terms of an offer yeah like there's a million ways to frame a web design offer that you would be like you know be able to charge a lot of money and do a really great job like and if in my opinion these days it would need to include copy you need you need to have experience with direct response stuff you'd have to have experience running ads um you'd have to have experience doing content for SEO kind of stuff, or even just know the universe of SEO and what it looks like today. Cause it's very different than when I got started and stuff like that. So just like, you know, you just, you just need to know that stuff, you know? Um, and, and so you can definitely create a great offer. I think there's also like a common conception with these young entrepreneurs that like a card website will get you like, it'll, it'll, it, that's all you need. And that's total horse shit as well. Like there's a time where you need, a proper website with a blog with uh you know a, a, an area where you can write thoughts and create updates and uh, and you know post things from your youtube channel there and create like a hub where you become a thought leader because yeah everybody's cold emailing everybody's like doing this kind of stuff a lot of people are commoditizing themselves before they even get started which uh, to explain that That's for people real quick listening yeah i mean people for, for anyone that doesn't know what i mean by by saying that it's like you know, a commodity is something that people just, it becomes a price war. It's like everyone has the same offer. There's a million me too businesses. We all do the same fucking thing. Exactly. There's no differentiation. So the price starts going down and, and everyone's just fighting for a client. Um, you know, that, that kind of thing is really dangerous. And I think that's what a lot of people are getting themselves into. So, uh, but there, there is a time where like a deeper website needs to be built and like there needs to be a good structure to it and it needs to rank in search engines and it the content needs to be really good but it also like like shani said it needs to convert like the format of how your blog looks needs to convert you can't just get people to the page with the content it has to convert to something like are you gonna is it a mailing list is it a lead it magnet some is sort it a, of cta at the end at the back end of it has right? to be some kind of cta and a lot of people don't do that a lot of people are like oh no medium's cool i'll just slap my blog on medium and they you know they're not thinking for the for the future so i think in a way there's um there's always going to be a place for somebody who can understand the full universe of what a website is and what it should be um but you know when you're first getting started out and you're trying to test offers card landing page is great. Uh, there's not much more you need. Uh, but I think as you mature, as you, as that offer starts to really work, you know what I mean? You need to start to become a thought leader because Around you're going to have to differentiate. Offer. Yeah. You got to differentiate yourself, right? Like that's your offer. That's the thing you're an expert at. Why, how are you better than David? How are you better than Shenny? What, what's your deal? Like what, how, what differentiates you? And that's really where things get like super, super serious in this stuff where I think a lot of people ignore that part. They, they don't, they don't get it quite yet. You know what I mean? They're still at that point where they're like, how many cold emails can I send today? It's like, bro, it doesn't fucking matter. You need to like, you need to become like, if you're an email marketer, you need to become the best fucking email marketer for that niche in the, in the space. That's the only way you're going to actually like take this to the next level. You feel me? So, so websites have different purposes. Like for instance, like your guys' website at the, at the stage you're at, it makes a hundred percent sense. It's going to be extremely functional. You're going to book calls. That's all you need. You need to get some, you need to, and you've already differentiated yourself with, with the neuromarketing. So yeah. So there you go. Like that's going to, that, that key term, you've created some sort of allure in the site and then they're going to book calls but like there's going to come a time where you guys are going to want to be like this podcast is going to get bigger you're going to have you're going to need a blog you're going to need all these things like deeper and deeper and you're going to want to be you know creating content all the time so that people go damn these guys really know their shit and you just start getting these inbound leads where you know you just you'll never be broke it's just and, like and you created legacy it's crazy right so like we the, the website that we have now is compared to what six months ago night and day like <laughs> night and day and if you look we at we started like, on wix remember we did start we on, on wix, wix and it was one of the <laughs> it was it was one of the most hastily put together horrid pieces of, of web design i've ever seen but like again i don't build websites what the hell do i know right so like if if you look at like us versus six months ago us versus a year ago like they are massively different but at its core we only really started thinking about content maybe two months ago, if that. And it was only because like, so I mentioned it when we were on your podcast, like I did this ship 30 for 30 thing. And that's where like writing for me became far more like a, I can just do this and ship it because I am comfortable writing and shipping stuff out. Right. And then 
when I got to a stage where I said, okay, Shenny, what can we do in terms of our own content? It was like, well, we can just write blogs. Okay, we started to write blogs. And then Shenny said to me, well, why don't you get back on Twitter? Because you already have a bigger following than I do on mine. It makes sense to leverage at least some of that credibility that you've built while doing Ship 30. Why don't you see if we can turn it into more of an agency style cold email, building a business, blah, 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 and see if that still resonates. And it has, you have to obviously find the spaces in which it does resonate, but simply by virtue of creating content, creating blog posts, going and speaking to people and like leveraging networks, we have had inbound leads come simply by virtue of content. And I think that when you have people, especially on the Twitter sides where we came up from, like they see all of these bigger accounts who are, succeeding and growing and getting to stages that they are that they want to get to but they never put out their own content and they don't become thought leaders as you said like you don't need five thousand followers to be a thought leader you need to have an interesting perspective and put it out there and someone will go that's really fucking smart i'd never thought of that wow that's a great point that's a great point a lot of people put high follower count well you know we're living in a society where everything's like follower count and like how much yeah, money you have Instagram how much shit you have or, mm, yeah. yeah it's all it's all horse shit you know i mean it's all total total unbelievably caustic horse shit like you don't it's all about knowing your audience who's your audience and like it is a lot about tam you know i mean total addressable market you you need to know that there's people out there that need what what you have and there's enough there you know and i know i see a lot of people trying to pick a niche you know, out of a hat and they're like you know they go after something that only has you know like less than a million people in the whole market we did that a bunch of times oh my goodness early <laughs> we did days. that a bunch of times early days, early days. yeah but but also what i find is that writing content like you end up sort of like um it gives you a lot of clarity you know like i, I feel like the the content side of things and, and that it's not about being a thought leader per se but i mean that that is the result but like writing the content and this is really something that i'll just say in, in general for everything including the music including everything i've ever done it's just like there's a there's a virtue to just doing stuff like there's a virtue to just mm. do stuff just to do stuff like and that's what people a lot of people have lost that spirit these days where they everything's an end result that they have to reverse engineer which is just like i know people love to do that like okay so like how many people do we need to reach out to that how many replies and how many opens and they kind of trying to like reverse engineer everything and it's like dude you're taking the magic out of the thing like there's no way you can like reverse engineer certain shit like content for example like how the fuck do you know who's going to resonate with this content and how you this is going to throw you need to see what sticks. you just need to fucking write and like get lost in the process and yeah. lose what time lose time and lose the dimensionality like lose this reality and just go into the writing go into the music go into the cold emailing go into the seo go into the web design go into whatever it is you're doing and just do it you know and do it just to do it don't do it for the money if you're doing it for the money you're a retard you're, you're not going to succeed <laughs> <laughs> you need to just do it because you want to do it for no fucking reason that's the best thing that's how the best things get created is that right there like doing shit just to do it so i actually that's a lot of to, people lose that spirit yeah yeah like i actually wanted to um even kind of like obviously before we end up switching up um i wanted to kind of add on to that because a lot of the things that i've been looking at recently um I heard this phrase, uh, which is, you need to be violent in action. And I've continually been seeing, especially if we go back to the example of how many emails should I send out? How many replies should I be looking to get? How yeah. many bookings am I going to get from that? A lot of the times, if you just find a market with a huge TAM and you send a ton of emails with a ton of domains, you will get results and they will be lopsided. And if you started out and you don't really know what the hell you're doing, you need that gigantic TAM to actually test what you're doing. And because yep. the most important thing for you when you're initially getting out is one, you need to get better at the service that you're offering. And two, to get better at the service you're offering, you actually need to find people that want that service. So you need to go out and find them. And if it means sending 10,000 emails to 10,000 prospects, then it means that just because you're expecting a 4% booking rate doesn't mean you should only send 50 emails to get, to get one client. <laughs> yeah. It's horse shit. It doesn't make any sense. No, not a bad, not a bad, uh, no, not, not at all. I think, I think you're absolutely right. There's, there's definitely like a, there's, there's just virtue to just throwing pasta at the wall, seeing what, what sticks. There, there really is. And I think, you know, it, it's, um, yeah, man, I don't know. Everything, everything now is so data driven. And so, um, you know, cause, cause with cool. SEO, for example, like, 
What was that? Clinical. Like everyone wants to get to the, the exact precise amount of X or Y so that they get the precise amount of Z out of the back end. And which, it again, like what, which again, which again, what if it could be higher or something, you know? I mean, in my, in my opinion, you're like taking all the imagination out of it. It just sucks, you know? My, my vibe is like, what I love to do with SEO, for example, like I have a couple of sites that rank well and, you know, provide some, some income for me and it's nice and it, it's on what automatic. I'm curious. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, one of them, uh, one of them is called linkrich.com. I mean, uh-huh. you can look at that one. That's a great example. It's just a crappy blog. Right. But like, you know, the content's really, really good. Like I know that shit. I know it like the back of my hand. I dealt with it for, you know, for, for years. So like adding content to that site's not that hard. And the way I always get started with these projects or with a SEO thing, you know, cause again, dude, that's just an experiment. I didn't expect that to do anything. I don't really give a shit if it, if it dies tomorrow. I don't care. You know, it's like totally just, it, it's fun to just do stuff and see what happens see if that could rank. And is there a market there that wants to buy shit? And it turns out there is, but it's like, the way I started writing it was just like, yeah, what, what, you know, LinkedIn. Okay. What, what do people struggle with, with LinkedIn the most that I've noticed, like go on Quora, find questions, blah, blah, blah. And then, um, just start to write, just start to write about whatever, like write about what I know, write, write casually. Don't write, like, don't like target keywords, just write, just write at first and then install Google search console, see what searches shit starting to come up under and see like how those like engagement rates and, and, you know, uh, bounce rates look and blah, 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 blah. And, um, kind of go from there. You know what I mean? Just sort of organically do it. You don't need to do a whole lot of research on stuff. Just like, if you know something, write about it. If you know something, start to start to write about the different topics that you didn't know about when you started, or I don't know, you know, scratch, scratch your own itch and stuff like this. And you don't need to start like with all this, like intensive research and targeting keywords and being all like clinical, uh, as David said about it, because it's, it's like, yeah, that can get you to some level of success, but the, but inside of the blogs that I write, sometimes it ranks for like three different keywords that I didn't even know would pop up or that people even search for. And then, so then I'll go write an article about those keywords separately and I'll link them back to the other article. And now, whoa, now things are like moving and it went from zero effect, right? Yeah. It just goes from zero to like 300 visits a month, like, you know, in, in a month and it's the new site and you're like, damn, that was fast. Like it's starting to get some traffic and, you know, I don't know, just, just doing shit just to do it. And, and, um, having a spirit of just sort of having fun with whatever you do and not feeling like this is, you know, and I've fallen into this trap, but like things aren't so serious, I guess, you know, like you can, you can have fun. You can do whatever you want, um, in life. So, yeah. <laughs> um, before, because I'm conscious of time, before we get into the lightning round, hope you have the questions. Yep. I do have the questions for lightning round. I was going to ask, uh, one very, uh, I'm going to try and make this as succinct as possible. You're going to struggle? I'm actually not because I have it in my head. The <laughs> So let's, if we're talking from a more practical perspective on web design, what is one thing that you should focus on when you're just starting? One thing that you should focus on when you're at 10K a month? And one thing you can focus on at 50K a month? Okay. Yeah. So, well, 10 K a month, I mean, you know, it's, it's less about the website and, it, and it's more about the offer. It's more, it's more about and the audience and like your target market. You need to figure out who these people are. That's like number one, like, and that's number one throughout the whole thing. You need, you need to speak to your customers. You need to speak to your prospects. You have to, you have to, you have to know what their problems are. You have to solve their problems. Like if you're not solving a problem now, this doesn't go for every single thing. Like, obviously, like I'm not like, if we're talking about like, you know, music and, and art and, and that kind of promotion for that kind of stuff. Like it, it's a tad different. There's like a different mindset, but it all does still sort of come back to like, you need to know who you're selling to and you need to know what they want or what they don't have or their problem or their struggles or their, their shit. You need to know them. You need to know them inside and out. So like, that's, that's number one. I think when it comes, it's not really anything to do with web design, but it, it, it goes into everything. You know what I mean? You just need to know your target audience. And then um, when it comes to web design at 10 K. Yeah. So you got it, you know, your audience, you know what their deal is, you know, what keeps them up at night. You've talked on a lot of sales calls with them. Cool. Um, you need to build a landing page, much like what you guys have done. And, uh, you need, you need to, yeah, BSL helps a lot. Talk about results, talk about, you know, what you've done in the past, talk about your formula, your specific formula. It's different than everyone else's. Why you need to differentiate yourself and get out there like with a landing page, 
that, that basically explains what you do and gives them a chance to book a call. I think that's like number one with web design. It needs to be simple. It needs to be super simple. You don't need to like spend a lot of money on a logo. You don't need to do, you really don't need to do anything. Your brand, your, your brand isn't that important at that point. You're just trying to get an offer that'll stick with an audience, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Now this depends again, some people deal with things differently, but that's just my feeling of like, skip, you know, cut, cut the fat off and sort of just make, make it clean, make it, make it legible, make it easy to start to try to work with you or something or buy something or do something, take some action. Um, and then, yeah, at 50 K, you know, it's not that different, I guess. I mean, at 50 K it's at 50 K you just need to like, I definitely think at 50 K, I mean, to get to 50 K, you need to start doing content. You need, you need to get, to get to hundred K to get the, to get above 10 K you really do need to like start to differentiate yourself and become some level of a thought leader in some space. You need to dedicate yourself to, it doesn't need to be super niche down. You can always change. You can always pivot. You don't need to like put a lot of thought into it either, you know, but you just need to start to have an opinion. As David said, have some kind of polarizing something that you bring to the market and go, Hey, I do things a bit differently. This is what I believe you need to do things like, you know what I mean? Or whatever. And so, um, and educating, you need to start educating. You need to start, you need to start putting yourself in that role of an educator, because at the end of the day, the goal is not to make an agency that can run and make a hundred G's or, you know, a million dollars a month. The, the goal is to separate your time from your income, like that's what you wanted. That's the end goal is to separate time from income. Because if you're just running an agency and it's you doing a bunch of shit, it sucks. And if you're outsourcing and you don't know how to do that, it sucks. And if you're blah, 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 blah. So you, you need to find a way to separate your time from your money. And that's like the most important thing that you should always be focused on. Um, Cause a lot of people come out here with this hustle mindset and they end up just getting real stressed and like getting a stomach ulcer and like falling over. Yeah. So like, don't do that. Dropping absolute wisdom bombs at the end there love that um okay cool so we have a lightning round at the end of every podcast episode uh and this is what we are gonna ask you right so don't think too much first first thing that comes into your head would you rather fight one duck-sized horse or sorry a hundred duck-sized horses or one horse-sized duck whoa uh horse-sized duck one one horse-sized duck interesting okay why Man, I you know just go for the throat and give it your best shot, dude. I don't want all this too much, too much shit all over. You know, it's too much. The other one is too much. They can they can they can do some kind of sneak attack on your ass. You know, so <laughs> keep, keep the focus on that one big fucking duck and 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 kill that bastard, man. Take him down. Okay. <laughs> Rogue answer, fine. Um, next one. What is your drunk party trick, if you have one? Well, I guess if there's like instruments and stuff, you know, it's, it, it would be the music. Uh, it, How it many instruments like, can you play total? I don't know. Uh, like drums, saxophone, guitar. Uh, you know, I could sing pretty well. Electronics, I'm killer on. Uh, yeah, if there's like any kind of weird synth or Casio keyboard or something, I can do some things, you know, any, anything really. Um, okay. But yeah, just mostly reeds and strings and stuff. Bass, you know. Okay, so all of them. <laughs> you can play all the instruments. That's, that's what it sounds like. Um, okay, so next one. You've got a, you're doing like a Harry Potter style trip around the world, like on the, on the Hogwarts Express. You get to go to every country, see all the sites. Uh, you get to take three guests, living or dead. Who do you pick? Uh, Ideally three, celebrities and not your mom, your sister and your girlfriend or wife. My, my mom, my sister and my girlfriend is the not answer. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, fuck, uh, living? They have to be living? No, living or dead. Oh, living or dead? Jesus, I don't know. Uh, I definitely take wifey. Uh, and then who else? Uh, shit, I don't know, man. Uh, <laughs> that's a weird question i have no clue man honestly like i i try to think of like a celebrity that'd be interesting to like hang out with and travel with you know maybe like god damn i don't know dude maybe like owsley stanley from the grateful dead maybe jerry garcia and owsley stanley dude i just take both those guys dude two guys from the dead all right i think with jerry garcia you'd have a lot of fun anywhere doing anything man <laughs> uh final question if you could have any superpower what would it be probably god damn i don't know it's hard to like not think about it you know it's like i I immediately start thinking of things so um i don't know dude fuck i i don't know i don't i don't know i think i i have a lot of superpowers honestly already wow 
I don't know what what would you to fly or some shit. I don't know. I guess I don't. I don't know. I don't know if that would really. I guess Enjoy. flying would be cool. Yeah, flying would be sick, dude. Fuck yeah, I'll take flying. Flying. <laughs> I love how you convinced yourself into that answer after about three seconds. You're like, actually, wait. I do want to fly. That would be sick. <laughs> it would be kind of cool to fly, wouldn't it? Like, yeah. Get a lot of sunshine. You're like just hovering up there like, hey, it's nice, you know? But then you'd cause all kinds of attention to yourself and then things would get weird. And, you know, you got to be careful what you wish for, man. I have no idea. I don't think superpowers are good for anybody. Wow. Um, okay. Because also like, because cause also what, you're going to go help people and like save old ladies and stuff like. You don't have to. <laughs> you can just, you can fly from here to get your lunch, come back. You don't need to become a superhero for it. Well, the shit, you're right. I guess, yeah, I, I would take the flying or the, or the hovering or some kind of thing like that where you could just kind of like, you know, you can go fuck off for a bit, you know, and just uh, like you said, bring your tea with you. You know, you got your thermos, you're just <laughs> flying around, <laughs> dicking around. I don't know. That sounds great. There you go. How about you guys? What, what's your superpower that you want? What is your superpower? Oh, mine changed over time. So um, it used to be super strength. And then it used to I thought about that one. Uh, yeah, but it's very limited. You can't really do much of it. Then I thought super speed. And now I just want like, um, I want to be able to like click my fingers and go back in time like 20 minutes after doing something stupid. <laughs> That's probably the best thing. <laughs> the best thing in the world. You know, you just realize you've done something Pretty stupid. weird. <laughs> That's a weird one. Just, I'm in, I'm, I'm in the 1700s. Like, what's up? He doesn't even want to go back that far. He just wants 20 minutes to fix the stupid mistake that he just made. That's it. Oh, I see. I see. Okay. Okay. I got you. Damn. I would want to go back to like the 1700s or something, like the 1800s or some shit, man. That'd be my vibe. Like, go back to like the real shit. You know what I mean? When shit was real, man. I, I, I have the most boring answer to this question. I just want to be able to move stuff with my mind. I'm like the laziest human being in the world. Oh, so trash. I, give, me, give me psychokinesis. That's all I care about. I want the ability to bring my, my coffee mug from over there to my hands without having to move. He's a, he's a simple man. Just a, yeah, a simple, simple man, simple pleasure. Simple guy. Me and Shenny are a bit more complicated. We're like, <laughs> we're, we want to be flying and time traveling and all this kind of nonsense. But... Uh, Nah, at the end of the day, man, I don't know. I don't know that that gives you a, a, a distinct advantage really in any way. Like I said, it just, it just caused attention on you, which could, could be really bad actually long-term, no? <laughs> That's what I'm saying. But you, you reverse all your stupid mistakes and then all that attention doesn't come because you just fix it. Bang, 20 minutes. True. True. This <laughs> You got, I mean, Shenny's really thought through this, You've man. really <laughs> worked this out. And the worst one is <laughs> you really <laughs> worked it out. You changed and you wanted this superpower. I respect, I respect like Shenny. <laughs> I respect Shenny's, like, uh, workflow on that. I mean, Shenny, you're the most, like, you're the most ambitious and, uh, and organized dude I think I've ever met in my entire life. Like, you've got this, like, knack for it, man. Um, I don't know what to say. That's very nice. I'm really happy about that. <laughs> yeah. The podcast by <laughs> Alex, it's been so good. We love you, dog. Man. We love you, man. <laughs> it's, it's, it's been so good to have you on. It's been an absolute pleasure. We've learned so much about you. Everything from music to marketing to, to the, the fundamentals of web design. You've, you've been an awesome guest. So thank you so much. Quite welcome. Thank you for having me. Thank you. I'm sure we'll do another one soon. Yeah, that'd Peace. be great. Bye-bye.